Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Debbie Gunson, your presenter, and you're listening to the CPT Cycling on the Rivets podcast. Let's go. I'll be asking questions to coach Richard Rollinson, who is the founder of CPT Cycling. He is a former UCI level racer and has coached multiple national champions. We will be discussing various topics in the world of cycle coaching to help you become a faster, smarter cyclist. Podcast number four, Sportif Pacing. Discover smart ways to make your Sportif or Grand Fondo experience more enjoyable by making smart choices that could get you to complete the distance or achieve your fastest ever time. Richard is with me. Question one, Richard. Why is it so important to choose the right group for your ability? Hi, everyone. Yeah, it's very important. Um, Just firstly, can I just say um, your makeup looks beautiful that you've done for the podcast today. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm glad everybody can see that. Maybe not. So am I. Yeah, um, the, I'm, I'm going to go through um, many different options here. So we're covering all abilities. This could be your first ever cycling event. This, you could already be a racer and, and you're doing Grand Fondos or Sportives as, as well. Sometimes those events may be almost raced like a race, although they're not really races, are they? Not a race. Not competitive whatsoever. Not competitive at all. No, not a race, a non-competitive event. Get on with it. Right, so say for instance... Not a race. It's not a race, no. Um, right, so say if, for instance if you're you're in the, uh, the the middle of the ability range there and um, you've done a few sportives before, maybe you've done uh, one of the events once or twice before. When you choose your group, Firstly, you want to make sure that your group that you choose is around your ability. Things to consider with that is what you've done that event in a previous time uh, as before. Um, if there's anything you can see that matches your ability against uh, other riders in there, you can, you can. it's quite useful to even look at a, a Strava segment of the event where you can check out other people's uh, average power that they've done through that event but that's that's a brilliant way of uh, of closely matching uh similar abilities to, to where you are at what i always always encourage with coach riders is before you if you have a choice of group there are some events where they don't give you a choice of of group when you do have the choice make sure that you that you contact your coach first before you do any entering of a sportive i can't stress that enough I've had um, many coached riders that have entered the group and the group that they're in it has not quite been either too far below or above where their ability level's at. What I always try and encourage is go very close to the ability level, your own ability level, but go just slightly higher than that. Now, the reason because of that is if you go in a group ability level that is... Uh, that you believe is around your ability level but you on on the day you might even be slightly higher than that more capable of of what most people in that group are capable of you can find yourself stuck in a a slower group um now of course you can work your way up um 
move ahead of that group. But then, of course, you then you lose all the drafting effect of, of staying with the group. So sometimes you can end up stuck in a group because the effort that you make, say, for instance, if your drafting is worth 30%, which it is most of the time, if you make 30% more effort, which you can be more than capable of, and try and work yourself up, you, you could just be doing the same paces as the group that you're trying to get away from. So if you go into a group that is of slightly tiny bit more better ability of what you believe at that time or or on leading up to that event, the, the group that you enter, or even better still, if you've got the, the choice of what group you, you go in on the day, which not normally is the case, it's normally when you enter, then you you get the chance of drafting with the speed of slightly stronger riders. Yeah, you do run the risk of, yeah, you may be dropped from that group and that can do things to your morale. Have that in mind before the start that you you may possibly be dropped from that group. However, if if you do find that that group is too strong for you, at least you know then that it is and you you can drop back to, to, to the group behind, which may be, much closer to your ability much might be a, a much better group to, for you to work with but say if you were in that group before right at the start and you do feel did feel like you were stronger at least then you know wherein lies the group that, that suits you the best so then you know you, you you're pacing you're maximizing your your potential on the day that's pretty hard to get your head back though if you if you've chosen a group that you think is to your ability and you are dropped relatively quickly so yeah, you you have to bear in mind that that is of slightly higher ability that than what you imagined before, before the event. Yeah, but getting your head back to race mode after you've been dropped is a tricky one. Yep, it can be, and it sounds easy. Just uh, just going easy, waiting for the next group, sitting up, waiting for the next group to come by, and then just uh, riding along with them. Although it, you can easily become unstuck with that. Um, and I know of many examples of, of when that's happened because the, the group coming from behind is going to be mu- going much faster than you. You've got to match their speed before they come up to you. If not, you'll just be you won't even have chance to get onto the wheels of that group. You just be spat out the back straight away. You won't even you won't even be on them. One good example of that is if any of you can remember in um, the tour this year, the you know, remember the stage of Mark Hershey was on his own. And then he. Oh, that's right. He was out on his own for most of the stage. And then he got caught close to the finish. And um, he then had the mental strength to then latch onto that group. Like he was already cooked. Mm. Um, You could see him building his speed before the group came up to him, which takes a lot of guts to do. It's not just not just a physical thing. An experience. Yeah, there is that as well. But yeah, it's having having the foresight and the tenacity to actually go, right, I'm going to try everything I can to get on the back of this group. Because it's a little bit counterintuitive that mm. you're trying to do something to get onto the back of a group that is coming from behind you. So you've got to have that forward thinking mentality of getting towards um, something that is coming from behind you it's a bit of a bit of reverse psychology within yourself yeah because it's always easier mentally you slow down to let the group come to you which then like you say is is often too late because they're past you and um yeah also bear in mind as well is if you are capable of 
riding with that stronger group, um, that will then that will push you outside your comfort zone. You've then got to match your mental capacity to what you're you're physically capable of, which which physically might be some reaching new heights that you've never reached before. And that that's that's the great thing about pushing yourself in in one of the, these events like this is that it, it does take you to, to another level if you're able to to take yourself there. You can do, definitely surprise yourself on, on a certain day. Yeah, and um, event day, you know, you'll be able to uh, take yourself to the next level, much more likely to do that compared to if you're in training. When you're in that group, it's the length of time that you're staying with them for. So think about your power duration curve and, and what you can sustain for a longer period and go for you won't necessarily be thinking about your power so much although having said that this is this is one for another podcast altogether this is a a topic that's been going on for the last couple of years should power meters be banned in in events um my personal take on that is no but it's it's debatable what what use they are certainly if you're in a group on a fairly flat grand fondo um i would just have the normalized power up there only because that's the most relevant metric compared to an uh, an average power and you can kind of gauge your effort on a say like a group ride that you've similar group ride you've done before and what how much normalized power you're able to sustain for for how many hours that that gives you a a good indication and then yeah you can sort of push yourself 10 15 20 maybe even 20 watts uh, above that normalized power that you've you've done on a group ride or a, or a previous whether it's a previous sportive or grand fondo uh, and yeah just just hang with those guys for as long as you possibly can um, and break it down into manageable sections it might be a section of the course it might be a section of time that's what I was going to say. Break it down into sections. It does make it a whole lot easier. Plays with your head better as well. So let's move on to pacing on the day. Some sort of pacing strategy will more likely be better than none. Coach, what makes a sustainable and realistic way of pacing on the day that will challenge you to your best performance? Yeah, so we just touched briefly on um, pacing with uh, a group slightly stronger than you on a fairly flat Grand Fondo or Sportive. That would be the best approach for that kind of terrain. Uh, If we look at something that's a bit more mountainous, so events like uh, the Marmot, the ETAP, the Maratona, events like that, or even the the Dragon, those sort of events, you can break it down a little bit more into pacing more like solo pacing so you even if you're going to be riding with with groups and yes you will get a significant drafting effect right up to gradients almost like up to 10 percent. you know you, you've still got uh aerodynamic drag is quite significant still even below 10 percent. You, you will get the benefit of that but in how you look to put in your your pacing through the whole thing, you need to look at it as your own pacing rather than pacing to others a lot more. So say, for instance, you've got five main climbs. You might have a tiny bit of flat in between them. It might be straight up and down all day long. Yeah, this this is where I, I wasn't 
going to quite talk about power so much when we were talking about pacing to others on a fairly flattish course. When you're doing it individually, that's a lot different. It's almost like you're doing five individual time trials. It's not quite, but it's not far off that. So the biggest thing is, say if you've got those those five main climbs, um, you're going to be doing in excess of, say, 150k, you'll be out there for several hours. So not only the first, but the at least the first two climbs you really want to be holding back on. And that is, I say, counterintuitive before that. It's really counterintuitive on that first climb because there's so many people that overdo it on that first climb. And you're going to be riding with them and you're going to be looking at their body language going, oh, if I don't keep with these guys, then I'm going to fall behind. But what you find is those those people that go too hard too early, they're the ones that are going to be falling back later. So, yes, I, w- I would say definitely have a some sort of power strategy in there. Work with your coach. Um, you can use th- tools like Best Bike Split yourself. They're very handy for events like this. And then you can work out not only what power you're capable of for the duration of of these climbs say if they're for instance if they're 45 minute climbs have a look at what power you can do for 45 minutes but what's so much more important is what power for around that 45 minutes can you sustain after you've been out there for four or five hours it's really easy to to start off with and think that you're like you're feeling really good on the first climb and then you realize after you've hit the top of that climb that there's another three to go yeah and also even even if you start in that third climb after you've done the first two and then fatigue starts to kick in and then what's a lot more less manageable is when you hit that very last climb and then you find out what sort of fatigue that you're you're left with so yeah one one tool that that i use that's a really useful one for this um in wko is uh looking at what your your mean max power you've done recently or over the course of a season is taking that example of 45 minutes and then after you've done a certain amount of kilojoules of work one kilojoule is 1000 watts accumulated so say for instance you've done 250 watts um over the course of however many seconds it takes to get to a thousand watts accumulated then that's a kilojoule it's a it's a slightly old school way with power of doing it but i definitely find that is the most relevant it is more relevant than than tss in that in that situation i would go to say that 45 minutes see however after how many kilojoules of uh, of work that you're you're likely to to have done by the end of this event see what you've done in training recently and see what you've done in racing maybe the previous season over the same event or a similar event and then work out what your peak 45 minute power is once you've done that amount of work and that will show you your fatigue resistance towards that power duration wouldn't most people want to have a a time in their in their head rather than just finishing so even if your goal is just to finish a certain event, it's still really useful to have some sort of pacing strategy in there uh, and match it to your ability. So say, for example, I know the uh, the Marmot event has a cutoff time. I um, can't remember. It's, it's something in the region of around 10 hours. So you, you, you need to have some sort of pacing in order to get you there just, just to finish within that time limit. And again, 
on something like a mountain Grand Fondo, there's breakdown how you pace each climb, bearing in mind how fatigued you're going to be by the end of it. Yeah, because then, then, you know, you don't know when to push yourself and when not to push yourself. Some people might not have a time in their head. Some people might just go with the goal of, I just want to finish. That can make your day harder and not having that, that goal to aim for. Yeah, and then that's when the power data, having the power data of, of what the, the rider has completed recently and over previous seasons is still quite a help, even for an absolute beginner, because then you're going to know what is within your ability. It, it might not be a time, just what what's a, what's a realistic average power, even if it's just one simple figure like that for the, through the whole event. It just it just helps to um, see what, what, what you are capable of. As we sum up this podcast on sportif pacing, good luck for whichever sportif you plan to complete either this season or next. You can find more on this podcast subject on the CPT Cycling blog. CPT Cycling is here to help you with your training and racing journey. Podcasts can be found at the bottom of the homepage on the CPT Cycling website. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Yeah, see you on the next one. Thanks for listening.